I'm realtor Heather Womack. I grew up in Minnesota and love all the outdoor activities we have here. In fact, I love Minnesota so much that I moved back here from Europe to raise my family in the land of beautiful hikes, refreshing clear lakes, and winter fun. That's why I'm reaching out. As a realtor, I've helped hundreds of folks buy their first home, sell the home they have, purchase a lake cabin, or start investing in Minnesota real estate. If you love adventure but need some new scenery, call me. My website is heatherwomackrealty.com. That's heatherwomack, W-O-M-A-C-K, realty.com. Hello and welcome to the Reverend Hunter Podcast. This is Tony Jones. I'm the Reverend Hunter Joined, as always, by the goose to my maverick, Brandon, the producer, engineer extraordinaire. That's my favorite one so far. <laughs> I like that. Are you excited about the Top Gun reboot? I'm not going to say if I am or not excited until I see much <laughs> of it. Reboots are not necessarily my thing, but I'm sure I'll love it. Like Top Gun was such a huge part of me when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. But at the age, I wanted to be in the Air Force so bad. We went on a trip to the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs when I was a kid. And then I realized they yell at you a lot and it's a lot of hard work. And I don't know if I want to do that. <laughs> well, I guess it, and it's not really a reboot exactly. It's it's probably a, it's a sequel, right? I mean, a, a long time in the in the future sequel. But I think it's going to be awesome, man. It's one of those. It's like I want to get my uh, vaccine so I can go see it in a theater because it seems like one of those movies uh you're gonna want to watch in a theater um hey before we get into it too far i want to thank our the latest sponsor of uh talk north podcast network is heather womack a realtor at coldwell banker so heather thank you so much for your support of the talk north podcasts and and you know, we don't, Brandon, you and I don't often talk about this, but uh, this is a big podcast family that we're a part of, including a bunch of hunting shows and, and some, uh, you know, even more sports shows, Minnesota themed sports shows. And you're, uh, you've been a busy guy. How a lot, a lot of winter podcasts producing. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. It's It's been a pretty hectic uh, first couple months of the year with all the podcasts that we have on Talk North. But it's a, mm-hmm. uh, it's. I mean, what a cool job, right? I get a, I get to produce podcasts, so there's no complaining on my front. Well, there's and there's a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of coaching changes going on in Minnesota sports. So I'm sure you're hearing a lot about that, and people want coaches thrown out, and because as usual, Minnesota sports teams are not doing well this winter. Wait, what? <laughs> I mean, I'm a fair weather sports fan, but uh, I'm glad I get my fix with the with the network here because I get to stay up to date on everything, and then I can uh, shoot the s with people that I don't know about sport. Yeah, yeah. Well, I um, Courtney and I took our first trip in over a year, and we went to Colorado to visit some friends. If anybody uh, follows the Reverend Hunter on Instagram, you saw some photos from Colorado. Uh, we just had a fantastic time, and I. Got to do some uh, Nordic skiing way up high in a high meadow on top of about eight feet of snow on a just a beautiful 35-degree sunny day. Um, it was stunning. We had to take a snowmobile up there, and it was really amazing. Sat in, sat in some hot springs out there in Colorado, hung out with our friends, worked on some uh, – I, I, I've fashioned a few new cocktails uh, for some articles that I'm writing. And so we, we workshopped the cocktails behind a, a very famous bar that Butch Cassidy carved his name into. So yeah, it's pretty, it was pretty great to get away for a few days. That sounds like the best way to like get that one trip you could finally get in. You did plenty on it. So that sounds like the best way to do it. Yeah. We squeezed a lot in, which was super super fun um how about you anything else you've been able to have any fun lately uh you know i've been enjoying the warmer weather here in minnesota i mean it's yep, been yep. like 20s even 30s so i've been going on walks with my dog a lot more but <laughs> that's that's how i've been enjoying it i've just been uh yeah just going outside and enjoying the weather getting some vitamin yeah, that's good well it is i mean there's signs of spring it snowed this morning and it's already melting uh so it's it is good yeah i'm taking the dog on a long walk this afternoon um hey you know speaking of uh changes this is this is our last podcast we have from the vault and that is 
with my buddy Bob Timmons, one of my dearest friends. Uh, Bob and I, we recorded this actually before COVID, and we have had it uh, banging around on computer dr- drives until just, you know, we recorded about a year ago, actually, almost exactly a year ago. So this is a perfect time, I think, to to release it. But I'll just say a little bit about Bob. I mean, he is one of my dearest friends. We became friends because he's my editor at the Star Tribune when I write for the Outdoors Weekend section. But um, our, you know, our friendship really went beyond the professional when we took our first trip to the Boundary Waters, which we talk about in our conversation. And since our conversation, Bob and I have been back to the Boundary Waters. We did an epilogue uh, journey where we uh, hiked the the Grand Portage, and people can read about that in the Star Tribune. Just search my name in the search bar of the Star Tribune or search, you know, Grand Portage, and you're going to find that article uh, that, that Bob was a part of that one, too. So we've done two trips up there. We, we're, we're as, as you'll hear in our conversation, we're a couple fellas who are about the same age and have the same situation of, you know, um, uh, taking care of aging parents and both of us have lost our dads. Um, and so we, we, that's a lot of what we've talked about when we've been hours and hours in canoes together. So it, it's a pretty special friendship to me. And I'm really, really glad to be able to bring this conversation to the listeners. It was a fun conversation. It was one of the first, it was like maybe the second thing that we ever yeah. recorded together. <laughs> I think that's right. So yeah, it'll be it'll be a good uh, dip back in time and simpler days a year ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks everybody for your support. We uh, would love for you to uh, rate and share and subscribe and review the podcast on the different uh, podcast services. If you're interested in sponsorship, we'd love to hear from you as well. But mainly, we're just super glad you listen, and we hope that these conversations about finding some spiritual centeredness in the outdoors. Uh, are a blessing to you, and we'll keep bringing them to you every other week. Thanks a lot. And here's my conversation with my dear friend and the editor of the uh, Star Tribune Outdoors Weekend section, Mr. Bob Timmons. Hey, buddy. Thanks for coming in. Absolutely. Happy birthday. (laughs) Yeah, it's been happy so far. Has it? been a good yeah, day yeah by and by yeah do you remember the day of your birth no <laughs> what was your what was your favorite birthday growing up do you have like one birthday you remember remember turning five like intimate like Intimately. five really just yeah and we were living in new jersey at the time and what did you have a party i don't recall a party i mean my say you know um my mom it was my mom and my brother mark my mom was you know single mom working and so mm-hmm. forth. But I just remember five being feeling... A big deal. Yeah, for some <laughs> reason. Maybe maybe uh, um, something was going on in school too that got me fired up. And oh, I knew it in tape Lincoln's birthday. Oh, so, no kidding. So for years, little guy thinking it was just me and Abe who had <laughs> February 12th as our birth dates. That's and awesome. then and then I had that that was punctured sometime in like late middle school and then I I don't even think I responded to the kid who was like you know what are, you too. what are you talking about <laughs> okay three of us have fe- February twelfth so yeah no for the longest time I thought me and Abe I remember Abe and, I remember Abe one time me. there was some teacher it was like in a math class or something and the teacher was like I will bet anybody in this room five bucks that there are two people in this class with the same birthday. And everyone's like, I'll take that bet. That's what are the chances? <laughs> and so, you know, and then of course he goes around and I guess you got 30 kids in a classroom and, you know, 365 days in a year, or whatever. There, I guess there were certain odds that he played and yeah. it's not that uncommon to have the <laughs> same birthday. As and, and blew their minds or something. I have the same birthday as Rene Descartes. So, so does 56, um, does it match that same excitement as age five? No. In fact, <laughs> a few days ago, my wife reminded me that my birthday was coming up. I mean, I knew we were getting Vaguely. close to the 12th. I couldn't remember which day exactly it was, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Now, being somebody who works in the newspaper industry, I would think you would know 
what day it is every day. Yeah. You know, like you you guys kind of have a job where it's important to know yeah, the Yeah, to day. match those up, the day the, the day, <laughs> the of day the on week. the masthead and, then, and yeah, the day yeah. that the articles do. And- yeah. No, I think um, with this uh, outdoor section, um, I'm much, I, I find myself very much focusing on Monday and Tuesday, which are heavy sort of editing days uh-huh. and getting things lined up for that Friday section. And then I'm, and then Wednesdays tend to be sort of a true hump day in terms of the, the section I, I use that day. Um, by that time, most of the outdoors copy, as you might know, having done some, <laughs> some written, writing but, yeah, for you. Yeah. Yes. By, by Wednesday, I've, I've moved all that copy for that Friday section. You know, photo decisions have been made. But things have gone through other eyes and so forth. And so that Wednesday, I really used to, you know, think farther out. Even today, I was already bird dogging things for two and three weeks down the line or somebody's calling me. Because today's a Wednesday. Yeah. 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 <laughs> today's yeah, a Wednesday. Yeah. Someone's pitching me a story. Something's, you know, two, three weeks out. So we're... So somebody pitches you a story on a Monday or Tuesday, it sits in your inbox till you get later in the week and then you yeah, yeah. look so at it. Certain ones are... Or higher level than others, <laughs> but yeah, I could yeah. get pitched something on a, on a Monday about something white, what feels white hot, or has um, or needs to be talked through about. Wait, let's not wait two weeks. You oh, know, let's right. can we turn it, turn it, turn it now? And who you know, what's what's the angle? Who do we need to talk to to really do it well? Do you have enough time to report it? You and I have had these sorts of yeah. discussions yeah. all the time on things, um, and and then depending on what the story is, can we? say it in a is it something we should be saying in a new way and not acting like we've been asleep at the wheel and like jumping yeah, in yeah, yeah, yeah. jumping in late so um but anyway yeah okay so. i have a question to change subjects on your about your religious upbringing yeah christian science <laughs> yes so here's the thing here's the thing i've been thinking about in in preparing to talk to you you've kind of You've kind of um, uh, like described it to me in the past as you guys weren't like really hardcore Christian scientists. You were kind of lukewarm Christian scientists. But it seems like Christian science, (laughs) you either go to doctors or you don't go to doctors. There's not like, oh. Or or if you do go to doctors, you make sure you're doing it at the under the cloak of night, you know, and <laughs> yeah. not being I mean, this is what it. I'm asking, like, do you, oh, we only go to doctors when your fever's over 103, but before yeah. that, we think God's going to yeah. heal us. <laughs> right, like right. That. No, my, it was, um, you know, the thing is, you know, everything in retrospect, right? I mean, yeah, when I'm a, yeah. I'm a little kid, um, you know, going to Christian Science Church every you know every Sunday and then you know seeing mainly mainly with you know again my mom single mom we spent a lot of time with her parents my grandparents yeah. who were who were devout Christian scientists you know my my uh, grandmother uh, Betty was a practitioner what's and, that and in and in Christian Science that you heal through prayer. faith healer a faith yeah healer. so she would get calls from anywhere country world saying you know Betty I'm I've got stage four you know would she then pray from her kitchen or would she get on a plane and fly to that person pray from the kitchen pray in the kitchen for that person pray for that person so she she and she was she got paid to do that as well and then what would she say when it wouldn't work what's the answer in christian science when it doesn't work god's will i'm assuming well i mean you were there or to what to what end you know, well, you know what? I, again, you know, I, you're a kid, you know, it's, everything's an open book and yeah. it was almost, you know, the innocent, it, that's just what my grandmother did. I don't think that I really, <laughs> I didn't maybe think You didn't that, ask her big theological questions on your fifth birthday? <laughs> no, no. But I don't think I even, maybe I was, you know, thick as a post at that time or something. I'd never like put that then on, well, wait a minute, you know, are there other practitioners out there? I never had that thought, um, but it made sense. I think it made sense to me. That's why there maybe wasn't more questioning. My grandmother was a very loving, um, very, uh, you know, very compassionate, very loving uh-huh. person. And yeah. it just, maybe it just sort of made sense to me that, of co- oh, she prays for people, prays for their health. 
And then they were also readers in the church. So it's been interesting now in my adult life and working in uh, newspapering for now, you know, going on 30 years and knowing that Christian science, whenever it's in the news, you know, getting a significant headline, it's about Christian scientists who um, have aren't taking their kids for medical care when they've got a bowel obstruction or what have you, and it ends up in the courts or the child dies, you know, and it's, yeah. who are these Christian yeah. scientists? When I was living it, you know, as a, a little kid, um, all I saw again were my p- grandparents and parents and l- loving friends at church. I did wonder, you know, I, I did wonder about, we went to Wednesday evening church. Mm-hmm. Um, Wednesdays were, um, there would be a short sermon and then anyone could get up and talk about, um, something in their lives. Like give a testimony. Testimony. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. Um, your chance to, um, testify to God's conviction or something or healing in your life. Um, and I, I didn't like going to Wednesday. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, you'd be falling asleep in the pew kind of thing. Because people would just but be every, getting... But every now and then there'd be something, you know, just some arresting story of someone's, uh, you know, what they healing claim or, is healing through yeah, yeah. through prayer or a practitioner's help or just through, you know. The, what, what was your... But, but I was going to oh, say, yeah. you know, Mary Baker Eddy, yeah. who was um, maybe the icon connected to Christian science, you know, she was healed through prayer. She claims to have been healed through prayer. And that set her down the the stage of Christian science. And the science part comes in, which sounds, you know, what Christian science... The science no, it, it sounds oxymoronic. Yeah. yeah, the science part comes in, um, what she would claim, it's like um, power of the mind, like the science of the mind. Mm. Um, okay. And... How and then so you'd have the Bible as you know the Word of God, and there'd be a reader at church, and then there you'd be reading the scriptures by Mary, like her interpretation. The second reader read read the interpretation of that scripture. So did she have interpretations of every single text in the Bible? Yes. And so my grandparents were readers as well at the church. So my grandfather at a time was first reader, and my grandmother was second reader. So there, you know, as you went through. that church program, you know, the first reader got up and then the second reader got up and then the first reader came up and the second reader came up and it, and it went on like that. But we would, I would sit around the table at my grandparents' house and we'd mark their books, mark their Bibles for their readings in that coming Sunday okay. and things like that. Yeah. So, um, and it's just what you did. Like we would do that and then we'd go out and what see granddad's it? beehives, you know, we'd yeah, be yeah, around no, in the yard I get or it. I like mean, that. in some ways for you, it wasn't unlike anybody else who grows up in any other faith tradition. You're like, yeah. well, this is what my family does. Yeah. But you must have known when you were, I don't know, going to school or something that, well, oh, wow, we're a little, something's oh, yeah. different. Yeah. And how did you see... My, and my parents left science, too. How, okay, first of all, before they left, how did you see other, um, other versions of Christianity? Was it like, we're the only true one, they're all whack jobs, or like, hey, we're normal, just like Presbyterians? Yeah, the latter. We're Even the, though Presbyterians don't think you're normal. Like, yes. Like, I was brought up being told Christian science was a cult. <laughs> right, right. Around Mary right. Baker Eddy and like... yeah. Yep. Crazy faith healing. Yeah. Like it's in whatever the book my youth pastor had. I think it's called Larson's Book of Cults. Yeah. Well, it's no, like no, and, Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons, Christian Science. Well, where that whole healing part comes in, um, Mary Baker Eddy went on and on about um, that anything material and of man um, was sort of immaterial, meaning that sickness was just a belief. And oh. that's how you get to the idea of, well, if sickness is just a belief and like a, not a sin, but then it can be healed through the power of the mind, you know, and the power of prayer and healing. Yeah. So sickness was just like, oh, you're bringing this on yourself. You yeah. know, it wasn't, yeah, yeah. it wasn't like a material thing. So it was, a, yeah. I and mean, then when my, by my parents, of Okay, course, so your mom got remarried. Mom remarried. And you are how old? Oh, I think it was nine, eight or nine. 1972, and my and my and stepdad, he became your dad. Yeah, like, my stepdad was is, also is your, was also a Christian scientist as well. He was. Yes, but when, they, but they again, they, they were leave? not. Oh, I would say 
things started to really veer within the next five or so years, mid seventies, late eighties. So like you're late in 70s. high school. Yeah. No, like I'm in I'm in middle school. I'm in yeah, late middle school. So middle your school. mom gets remarried when you're in middle school yep. and then the two of them start to become pull, pull, disaffected. Pull away, yep. Pull away because they, they were you know, things like um you know, even like the no smoking, no liquor, you know, all these yeah. things that were, yeah. you know, um and then definitely I even remember, I do recall having a conversation about that um, medical care where my parents are, you know, well, no, you're going to go see a doc, you know, they they drew the line at some of the things. And I think, you know, um, we didn't have a lot of discussions later after we, we ended up going to a Presbyterian church for some time. We ended up at congregational churches, um, definitely um, into my high school years. Um, but we didn't much talk about, uh, leaving science so much. Um, I just knew that, that my parents, yeah, it was almost like science light for them, may, maybe a little bit or something, you know, they weren't going to be bound, so by, they was, weren't going to be bound by some of these. It wasn't a, it wasn't a dramatic break. They no, kind of faded away. No, and it time. wasn't, it wasn't anything that in my recollection that was like um, a big wedge in the family. Okay. You know, my, my grandparents were still devout scientists, you know, yeah. to the, you know, to the last breath. So, um, and it certainly wasn't, but judge- I wasn't, died. I wasn't so judging de- them. <laughs> so, de- so death was, uh, not just a state of mind. It was an actual thing that happened. <laughs> Yeah, but you're right. My grandmother could not uh, pray her way out, <laughs> pray her way out of that one. Um, but yeah, it's, so it's um, you know, even you and I talking. I know we've kind of picked it up and and it's dropped here and there, and we've talked about it. But it certainly has made me kind of think about, you know, um, what maybe, you know, my lasting thoughts about it, or wh- or when it when I. Um, I think I cared more about uh, missing people. Um, again, I honestly, uh, my, uh, I'll always, if I had to pick, you know, two words out of, you know, thinking about my grandparents and, um, you know, we all have crazy families, but they were just the most compassionate oh, people yeah. and, um, and humble and curious. And I saw that. Repeatedly, I saw it yeah. at church. Yeah. I saw it at home. I saw you know other things that you know frictions that, and things too. That but. puts a very different face on what would otherwise be considered an odd or troubling religion. Yeah, is compassionate people, yeah. right? Right. Like right. if your parent, if your grandparents would have been zealous Pharisees, <laughs> right. fundamentalists, right. Bible bangers, you would have been like, yeah, yeah I'm no. Out. Yeah. And, and we, and we were, you know, they were having friends over all the time or we were going over to picnics and you know, we certainly got to, and maybe it was because, you know, we spent an inordinate amount of time with my grandparents in Connecticut. You know, we were, we really got to know uh, a lot of their friends, you know, Christian science has these reading rooms. I mentioned the way some things, uh, the way things are changing culturally, demographically, graying out of, you know, I'm sure, I'm surprised science has actually hung on in maybe some towns. I mean, I, I can drive by the Christian Science Church in White Bear Lake, and there's a little reading room, you know, I don't know. Tell if, me what that, that, what's that, what's that reading room? What are those? The reading rooms are a place to, um, you know, sort of sink into the word, um, it seems like read, kind of read a, literature, Mary, it, it seems literature like, that Mary Baker Eddy's yeah, written. It seems like kind of a proselytizing thing. Yes, of, you know, right to invite other people, curious people in. Yeah, it could be, but I, I, you know, my recollection of reading rooms are going in there, and and the only person in there is the church volunteer who's right. at the reading room that day. Yeah, and you know, if I went, if, if I drove to White Bear right now and went down to the christian science reading room i doubt it would even be open to be honest i, I mean, mean the funny thing about reading rooms growing up it seems there was always on like some really nice real estate <laughs> yeah you know like yeah. the one in uptown i've always thought there's that empty room yeah. there'd be one volunteer sitting in there like yeah this is expensive yeah yeah keep the lights on keep so the, there yeah. was there must have been some money floating around i know there was a newspaper yeah. for a long time well, i would say i would say that you know whoever owns these the you know, the Christian Science Church in White Bear and its reading room have a, a 
choice little spot downtown as right? well. And I'm yeah. sure like, you know. Well, what, okay. What was your upbringing in the outdoors? You know, it was really varied. I mean, I not, um, not like master narrative of, you know, say Minnesota with hunting and fishing. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I recall this sort of, and again, it was a different time, but in the, you know, in the late sixties, you know, early mid seventies, I was living in Connecticut and I pretty, you know, lots of woods, uh, close to the coast, close to Long Island Sound. We, we just had a run of the place. I mean, yeah. I, I got home for dinner. It was that classic, like, Hey, you're, and I run into somebody and your mom wants you home for dinner. Otherwise we were just in the fort building the building, you know, building forts in the woods, mm-hmm. riding bikes to the beach, um, you know, fishing occasionally and things like that. Um, but just, um, just sort of a wild youth in that regard. Yeah. And, and then my, my, both my parents, I wouldn't call them, uh, I think my dad definitely had a sort of a bent for the out, for the outdoors. We spent a lot of time at the beach, even once we moved up into Massachusetts, uh, we lived on the Cape for years up and then up and down the North, up and down the South shore, North shore of Boston. And we were at the beach every weekend, Mm -hmm. you know, walking the beach, uh, um, just out hitting trails and things like that. So, um, but I think, I think, yeah, I think time period, in addition to living in a, you know, um, you know, a beautiful and sort of, uh, diverse area, like the, you know, the beach shore and things definitely, um, kind of set, you know, that kind of has set in me, you know, foundationally in the way I, you know, now I'm just drawn to being, you know, kind of finding finding my peace outside so yeah yeah is that yeah yeah i mean did did you ever i guess feel any kind of pull or call when you were a kid to the outdoors or when you were a young man you know going through a hard time or anything like that was the did you as you're exploring your own sense of self and your spirituality as so many of us do in yeah. late adolescence, you know. Yeah. Was the outdoors a part of that for you at that time, or has it been more recently that it's become more important, a, more of a guiding force in your life? Yeah, I would, you know, um, you know, maybe it <laughs> it speaks to my uh, lack of self-reflection or something. I don't recall at a young age, like, going to find that piece, like, you know, the way I've certainly in my job, have talked to young people who, who, uh, at a, at, you know, teenagers thinking of the DNR round table, round table, people talking about how, how the outdoors kind of resets them, you know, yeah. grounds them. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I think I was so used to just being outside, but no, it's definitely been later in my life. Um, more questions. Um, you know, thinking about how my my spirituality, spirit, and you know, overlaps with nature and the spirit of nature. The way I feel, you know, the way. Um, tell me if I'm getting no, off I, on it. No, this is exactly what I want to hear. You no, know, this from you about the spirit of nature and thinking more broadly about um, sort of our interconnectedness. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you and I, when we were in the Boundary Waters um, last June. And you wrote about this in the series um, and just made a, a quick note of it. But when we were on Wadup and we saw that moose, mm-hmm. um, the calf um, yeah. with the cow. Yeah. And, you know, and I was saying it just was um, beyond, we had already been having uh, just like settling into our trip and just really feeling, even though we had, you know, had a lot of work to do and had done work before that and we're going to, but we maybe partly it was because we had, we were kind of in the flow, mm-hmm. but that moment was very, you know, spiritual to me. And I was, I was writing down, I was thinking about that, um, about why, like digging deeper into why I felt it was a spiritual moment. And, um, can I, before- it, made, it made, it made me think of, um, us as part of, you know, seeing wildlife in this innocent moment that we could have missed without, if we had been yeah, 
10 seconds later. Yeah, let me set, know, the, let me set yeah. the scene, and then I'd like to hear you, yeah. you, you um, reflect on what was so special about it. But here's how I remember it. Uh, I was in a canoe with my son, Aiden, and you were in a canoe with the other two guys, right. Aaron and Brad. Yep. And we'd had this signal that Brad had said, if you see wildlife on the shore, right. wave your paddle in the air. To give the signal to the other boat yep. to basically shut up. Right. And we were on this Wadup Lake, which is a small kind of a... Cigar-shaped Yeah, little, between yeah. two other lakes. And the, the water was very calm. And we were actually looking for a place to stop for lunch. Right. At that time. Yeah. I thought... I thought of the, and, and the I, interesting part is we'd had that pa- that agreement about seeing something, and then yeah. it literally, I think Aaron, if I remember, the photographer, either, either, yeah. it, it happened to be like a very quiet moment, and he happened to say something like, if you see, and then it, it happened. Right then. It happened right then. Like the, the It was funny because he the, was also, he's the photographer, and he was also like, ah, we're two, two or three days into the trip. I need to get some wildlife. There's, you know, like, let's yeah, keep an eye off. Right, <laughs> right. And then Aiden and I are coming up, and we see you guys, one of you guys waving your yeah. paddle in the air. Yeah. And we just, I just stopped paddling. Right. And whispered to Aiden, stop paddling. And, yeah. of course, we also had a dog in the boat, so I was yeah. hoping the dog wouldn't see the wildlife and Well, and they were shaded, freak too. Out about it. Yeah. So it wasn't so, an easy... I, yeah. In fact, if anything, I saw the calf at first. Yeah. Oh no, I saw the cow. Uh huh. And then I and then yeah, you and then I worked see... my way down. It was like, oh my gosh, oh, there's a, a calf, calf yeah, underneath exactly. her, exactly. like on its knees, yes. underneath yes. her. Yeah. Um, and maybe nursing or something because it was in the the calf was in the water, or at least was um, oh. like right at the water's edge. Okay. And mom was, you know, it was in. So I, I here, I mean, part of. Part of that moment for me was you stop paddling a canoe and the canoe continues to float, float. float. Yeah. It's just like the yeah. canoe is floating slowly. You you all were in rapt attention at this moose. We didn't know what you were looking at until we float. float. You know, there's this like suspense building and then yeah. there it is, like a yeah. moose, which... I don't know, man. There is something about a moose that is that those animals are incredible to me. Yeah, and there was just um, maybe it was the fact that we hadn't seen one. Yeah, you know, too, um, and the sudden and the suddenness of Aaron, if I remember correctly, saying you know, kind of a reminder about if we you know, yeah, yeah, silently, and then to have it right there. Um, and then all we heard, I know it was breezy too at the time. You know, it was, there was. Yeah, the wind you know, was the pushing the, from behind right. us. Yeah. And um, from out of the west. But like you said, you guys floating along. Um, as silent as it can maybe be. Yes. In the boundaries, but for the shutter of Aaron's camera. That's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. We, we got to shoot, we gotta a, shoot that. We are yeah. here to do a story. Yeah. No. But he was also discreet about it too, because he didn't want to spook it. But and I we, also remember then we pulled over right after that, right across yes. that lake yeah, on there the was Canadian that, there side. There was that ledge, that little bedrock ledge. We were all kind of in yeah. awe. I mean, it was it was uh, as we sat there and ate lunch, almost like a spiritual moment had just happened. Like there had been what theologians call a thin place. You know, this kind of yeah. this place between the present and eternity. Like you got a little sense of something transcendent. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's hard to even put it, put to words. I felt, you know, when thinking about it later and even editing your story, when you brought it up, you know, I felt like, gosh, do we need to expand on this or can we, is this an area where you just let, like you kind of did is let the readers fill in. We don't have to answer. That's the part of good writing. Good storytelling is, you're going to set the scene sometimes. Do you need to tell the reader every last thing? You know, you want them to fill in the gaps, yeah. you know, just same way a good film or something in the suspense. But honestly, I felt that almost like this random moment, like this kinship, like we were, mm-hmm. we're out there existing. Just, this is what I was trying to get at about 
the spirit and nature. Yeah. If you know, thinking of it in totality, the connectedness. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's sort of like a native, you know, Native American sort of. Um, I think of some writings like Charles Eastman. We just think did a story about Charles Eastman and um, um, a Dakota uh, grew up in the Dakota Territory, and his his him being such a primal Native voice. But again, that whole um, it's not kind of us and them but I felt I did I honestly felt there's sort of like a kinship thing going on we're existing and this moose this cow and its calf are existing too and we happen to overlap and and um you know we're in its space it's in our space I don't know yeah, it just it just yeah. had a, there's there's something there um yeah I don't know that's what I wrote down just like this this feeling of we're just wildlife out there too. I mean, we just happen yeah. to interact in that moment. Yeah. Um, and so I, I guess that's why, you know, I guess mm-hmm. I applied the word spiritual to it. Um, Cause it was something mysterious that you couldn't quite, you, you know, that, like you're saying about the, the thin, you know, the veil yeah. just beyond the yeah. veil kind that's of right. thing. Like we, ex- I felt like we kind of experienced something uh, that kind of, brought us back to maybe something even primal or I don't know. It was interesting. It's, it is interesting, isn't it, when you're on a trip like that? Because I, I think back, like, what what are the most memorable moments of that trip? And some of them are uh, so material and mundane. Like, of course, I remember when I cracked my head on that log. Because it was a big, like, sensory... <laughs> moment for me you know what i'm saying oh yeah oh yeah well especially coming at a time after a tough well, day we, tough day and we had let our f- foot off the gas right we yeah. had all the not tension but there was you know saying anxiety and getting there we fighting the wind or fighting, and then so you let down and then bang you do that so if anything it probably uh intensified that sort of like are we doing I, it's just like are we doing everything wrong yeah we didn't get the campsite we want we were paddling into the wind all day we finally got a campsite not a good one that the you know yeah the border route trail went right through yeah and then i cracked my head so hard like literally saw stars yeah literally Uh, saw yeah you you did it you did a number (laughs) on it jeez louise but then there's these other moments of the trip like seeing the moose um i don't think it would have been you know yeah sorry well, there's other yeah. moments that are more, I guess, traditionally spiritual, I guess, you know, like that are that that where something is happening and you feel like you're tapping into another plane. Yeah. There, you know, again, I think if we were anticipating, anticipating, anticipating and then had something happen, it wouldn't have had had as much power mm-hmm. because we would have been so attached to like seeing something, whatever. Yeah. Whereas this just uh, you know uh, was so random that it made it just that much more real you know these this mother and its offspring just trying to survive right mm-hmm. just trying to and and then then us all knowing as people who are into the outdoors knowing the backstory of what's going on with climate and and the and moose are facing challenges and anyway and, yeah, every, you know yeah, right. deer parasites all and wolves and you yeah. know on and on and on i i I think all of those things sort of threaded into that too. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know how you, um, I came away with it again, just with a broader kind of uh, feeling like we're part of the whole, we're all part of the whole. It's not just us, you know, man kind of. You know, we're supposed to, uh, are you part of a men's group or anything at your church? I was. I led. A, I led a, a, a. Led it. I led a a men's group. Oh, aren't you like a greeter? Are you a greeter, an usher, or something? Yeah, so it's kind of similar to an usher. Yeah, yep. You take past the collection plates. No, there's none of that anymore. It's all electronic. Just swipe. Or, you or, pass, they, or you stand a, there with a swiper. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. Can you tap your card here as you take your seat and grab your latte? You're like, you don't even need to swipe your card. We've already just charged it to your phone. Yeah. You don't even, no. Walk no, I, I. Uh, yeah, I greet people um, at the front, at the front, at different entry points. Doors, to Eagle you Brook. get assigned. Yeah. And yep, yep. 
You go to the biggest church in the state. Yeah, and growing. They just heard, opened a, well, Rochester's um, down at the Mayo Center has got a campus now too, so. Where the pastor's piped in on a video screen, right? Yeah, it's very similar campus to campus. Um, there's certainly campus pastors at each of uh-huh. each of the locations, yeah. and then they all pipe into Lino, where the, you know, to appear that week's message. So it could be Bob Merritt or Jason Bob's Strand. The, or, and he's retiring. Yep. In March, yeah. And do you think people at that church understand that that's it's not sust- it's not a sustainable model to have a church that big? Like churches that big don't last. Do you know that? Why is that? <laughs> am I breaking this? <laughs> am I breaking some? I mean, churches that big don't last once the once oh, the famous you're saying once once the, the famous senior pastor leaves, they don't last. You're saying because Bob's leaving, the church is going to start to yes. Oh, I don't. I don't know about. I, oh, I see. I don't, see. Yeah, I you don't. Drunk the Kool Aid. Just mark my I words. You know what? It just doesn't. I mean, there's a lot of evidence, and it just churches just because that church is so big. Didn't it have like I mean, seventy five thousand people on Christmas? Yeah, seventy five thousand. It might not have been seventy five. The exact. I don't know. But exactly. it was close to that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, through all campuses. Yeah, now, and services. That's yes. That's a, an extraordinary amount of people. You, are you saying because? You know that whole charismatic figure thing, like yeah. Bob leaving will take the energy yeah. from. I don't. And churches that it's just, uh, yeah, just I, I mean it's hard to explain exactly, but it just is is. I don't. I think so it's. A, I think it's a big thing with Bob leaving for sure. That There's it's no not doubt. Sustainable. I but I think you know Jason Strand is he the has been anointed he, successor? Yes, yeah. yeah, and I and Jason's. Uh, I don't know. We've been going there for more than ten years, and Jason's been there. Um, I don't. I don't. I think they've got. I think they know what they're doing. Okay. I think there's. Okay. I think there's. Well, they're very you... focused on the mission. They're not going to have like the rec league, basketball league, and then this and then that. They're very. They're I'll very you, about staying. Focused. I'll have you back on the podcast in twenty years. <laughs> we'll talk about talk about my new church. <laughs> but my point in all that was. Uh, I th- one of the things that I thought after our trip, I didn't know you that well going into the Boundary Waters trip. I mean, we yeah, knew each other, right? We talk, yeah, we talk a lot about stories and re- yeah, and reporting yeah. and things, yeah. But you, th- um, we, you know, when you're in a canoe with another guy, and I'm sure it's this way with women too. I'm just not a woman, and I, so I don't know. But there's a lot of talk at churches about trying to get guys, men, to have intimate relationships with other men. Yeah. And there are a lot of men our age in their 50s who have very few friends. My dad died at age 76 two years ago this week, and he died as a man with very few friends. Like, you could count them on one hand. Were they? He was a super lonely guy. Were they... And what, yeah, why, why is that? Because of his pride or something? Or? No, he just didn't know to reach out to other guys. He didn't, I know there are guys who have a lot of guy friends. Yeah. But he didn't. And he's not alone in that. I think yeah. he retired from his job and he just didn't have a second act. Yeah. He was a little aimless. Yeah. He played. Well, well, he now, played solitaire on his computer. Well, I'll turn it back on you. Has that? How is that? Scares the crap out of me. Well, Bob. not in just scared you, but has, yeah. has, has it turned you in terms of like cultivating relationships and you know having? Yeah, that's why I'm taking you out for a beer for your birthday <laughs> right. after this. Right. Yes, it it has. And um, when I was a pastor, I had a ton of friends because when you're a pastor, you're running uh, an organization a voluntary organization full of people. Yeah. So are they really your friends or whatever? I mean, yeah, but if you had to thin thing. slice that, who they're friends and then there are next level friends, yeah, right? Very true. Even, even in that list of church people. But you know, one, uh, my point in, in this is yeah. kind of ironic because one of the things I've always, uh, I've, I've mocked about Christianity in the c- current world, present world 
is that you go to this place and you stare at the back of people's heads and listen yeah. to one person talk. Yeah. And that's just not the way of the world anymore. Yeah. But, but here we but but here we are in a canoe. Yeah. Where I was staring at the back of your head. Yeah. Which might actually make it easier to have a more intimate to conversation. Be vulner- to be vulnerable. Don't you think? To be vulnerable. To talk about things. So you and I would be locked in a yeah. canoe. We were 15 feet apart. Yeah. And I'm looking at the back of your head and you can't even see me. For hours. We'd paddle for two or three hours and then take a break, paddle for another two, three hours. You and I talked about everything, man. We talked about our dads dying. We talked about our marriages. We talked about how we're raising our kids. We talked about our faith. Yeah. That's how often does that happen? Right. Right. In my life, not that often. I mean, when I go out for yeah. I go out for beers with some guys or I'll yeah. sit next to a dad at a wrestling match, but we're not like yeah. going deep about our marriages. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. What is it about being out there? Was it setting that, you know, was it, is this somewhat what you're getting at? Like, I think what is it about I being th- in a canoe is. or being, hunt- I think it's partly, being in a blind it's with the a, architecture you know, of just the canoe. Yeah. Partly it's the architecture of the canoe. Yeah. Yeah. Partly it's. Right. It, you're right. There's not the, there's a, there's not the intimacy of me sitting across from you at a small like group. Like we're doing now. And looking, at a small group with a coffee. And, and read and a Bible like, verse and then say, what does this four, mean to you? Yeah, there's four of you. And it's yeah, always yes, posturing. Yes, and that's true. That's true. There was none of that. Yeah. And you, you're out there for a few days. and, um, there, Yeah, I, I thought that was really special. And I've reflected on that as part of the spiritual experience of being in the Boundary Waters. And my other friend, Brad, who was on the trip, and I never got to canoe with him on this trip, or maybe only briefly, um, he and I have had those too, yeah. you know? Yeah. Maybe they're, you know, that's a, that's a good, a good, uh, thinking about, um, the, is it relevant that we're in the outdoors where you're feeling your truth, right? If you're an out, you regard yourself as an outdoors person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you find you know, the way people say the woods are my church, you know, you're talking about like yeah. Suge and right. Emery and so forth. Um, and, uh, and he's not the first person to say that, right. that I, that I find divinity, I find, um, depth and truth and, and everything in the outdoors, but maybe there is something about us being out there where we feel, um, the most grounded and it, it, it is that platform for having, you know, having these sorts of discussions in addition to the, just the way you connect with a person, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, and, you and, I, because, and you and I, because yeah. it, let, let's say we were taking a four hour driving trip and we sat and I was like, well, you just sit in the back so we don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. We would probably have some good conversations if we went on a four hour drive together, but I just, I don't know that it would. Because there's so much other stuff when you're driving. There's just stuff going on around you, and you gotta, you yeah. know, look out for other cars. You're you're not 100 dedicated to yeah. this conversation when you're canoeing. Yeah. You're not man, you're not you're pulling just, in all this information. No, you just get in that rhythm right yeah. of the paddling. And well, once, it, well, once you get into the rhythm of the paddling, uh, well, it's a listening too. Yeah, you know, in that setting. Um. Again, like you're saying, you're driving, you're checking this, you know, checking, you're seeing the gas, you're seeing a light, you're seeing another car, a person, whatever. Here you're out there. Granted, you are being, you know, your senses, you're taking all of this in, Mm -hmm. um, you know, skylines, tree lines, beautiful water. How are we doing? How am I feeling? Are my shoulders sore? But I don't know. Yeah, there's something... um, Maybe hard to again, just hard to articulate about um, why that why that setting uh, allows you just to be more honest, mm-hmm. more real with yourself too. Um, yeah, and again, that whole vulnerability thing, you know, that whole got you know. Yeah, I think that's right. And getting away from your phone, your devices. Yeah, and... right. Is it has has being an out doors journalist and editor um made the outdoors less spiritual and mysterious to you 
because it's also your job? Or has it not had that effect on you? You know, like yeah. Um, I talked to Dennis Anderson and I think it was Dennis. It was somebody who said, you know, uh, when they talked to us, talking to a sports writer one time. Oh, you and, the, I, and the guy was like, well, <laughs> I'll tell you what I don't do in my free time is watch basketball. Yeah. <laughs> no, I get paid. No, well, I was, watch basketball. yeah, th- that's a good, thank you for that segue because, um, I was, I worked in sports before taking on this outdoors editing job and we we would make you know the sort of gallows humor about how working in sports kills your interest in sports Mm -hmm. you know i i can recall nights where liriano's got a no-no going in the eighth inning and i am just begging for someone to get a hit (laughs) so it doesn't you know so we didn't have to rip up the sports cover to accommodate a a no 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 no, and sure enough he threw the new hit no hitter that (laughs) night so it meant it meant just like you know, More an hour, hair on fire and so forth. But yeah, that, you know, that's a great question. I mean, I don't, um, I'm, yeah, you're right. You're, I'm thinking about the outdoors in so many different contexts. Yeah. You know, it's somebody's adventure. It's a climate, it's a climate issue. It's um, um, like superiors flood, you know, is water tables out of, out of, you know, there's all these sorts of different things. But no, I would say I can still go into the outdoors um, and look, to do that um, as a way to just, uh, you know, just sort of be, right, present. Mm-hmm. And um, and the way sort of, you know, uh, not to get too like Buddhist or something here, but- Please get Buddhist. Yeah, but the way um, trying to, trying to really, um, let be with things the way life is so it's just always going to be a grind right we're going to have the dark things and heavy things and we're going to have the light things and then they're going to collide and yeah. you can i think of you know a great example of that is at a grad party having the time you know having a great time celebrating some friends uh son's graduation and we my wife viv and i left the party and i looked at my phone and had a text about my best friend uh, being on life support after he had a heart attack mm-hmm. while out on his bike. And, you know, the talking about the collision yeah. of, yeah. and um, so I think about to try and reel that back in now, try and live my life um, just like really being present. And it does help me navigate in the same way um, nature just is, right? Yeah. I mean, this is going to go on regardless of what I'm doing, you know, and, um, and so when I'm out there in it, there's sort of that, um, that piece of things changing and not changing, you know, um, and depending on where you go, you go back to the same places to hunt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you certainly yeah. Yeah. go into things that are touchstones for you. Absolutely. That maybe remind you of, uh. Moments you know, things, in my life. Moments and, in your life yeah. and things that you value. Yeah, And then sure. many of them course through things you've done in the outdoors, right? And um, does that make sense? The way nature is just is as well, you know? And things are going to be, yeah. things are going to be hairy and stormy and, and it, but it's also going to be a day like a Sunday ago where it was, you know, 45 degrees out and the brightest sun we'd seen in, uh, you know, a, a month. month. And yeah. it was just, it was just, breathtakingly beautiful um and that's that's what nature that's what the outdoors are it's horror, it it can be all those things yeah it's right? like it it's like uh we have to just take it as it is because it kind of pays us no heed yes right, right? that whole thing of you know nature doesn't care right yeah we 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 do kind of project our feelings and things because we're human on what nature and of course what nature what nature by, is and what yeah, it isn't yeah. but um this is circling back to that whole feeling of nature. Uh, again, this, those sort of native voices about we're all, it's not us dictating, th- you know, we, we as humans want to manage this, right? Yeah. You look at things and managing wildlife and managing this and trying to save that and whatever. And it's, um, whereas, you know, like a Charles Eastman, you know, this native writer would say, um, it just is, you know, this is, this is part of this, the, the, the whole mother earth, Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you have to embrace that part too. I don't know. So it's yeah, it's yeah, a. Yeah. What do you um you you have just such an interesting vantage point 
because you get so many story pitches and you're putting together this weekly section and you're covering everything from hunting and fishing to camping to kayaking to mountain climbing to mountain biking to bird watching. I mean, you you cover the people who watch the birds and you cover the people who shoot shoot the birds. birds. And protecting habitat so the birds will thrive and we can shoot them. (laughs) So we can eat them. So, Bob, so we can eat them. Man, I made an incredible pheasant pasta sauce for dinner tonight. I mean, truly. Did you? Truly incredible. Wait, what about that turkey? We'll digress here. I saw that turkey on your... I smoked a wild turkey. That That looked great. It turned out really great. Aiden, guess what he had for lunch today at school? My 15-year-old. A big wild uh, wild turkey leg. That's awesome. I can you know, see. I can, that out. I can picture Aiden just gnawing that, that sucker. At the oh, lunch, yeah. At the I lunch can, table. Yeah. And it, I guarantee you that Aiden told every kid at that lunch table that it was a wild turkey leg. It was not just any old turkey leg. It yeah. was a wild turkey leg. I can leg. picture Aiden doing that <laughs> with um, style. You, you have this vantage point that's really amazing because you get to see you know what yeah. do you, what's happening what's going on i mean be I, i'm talking about beyond i'm talking about beyond the like people are worried about climate change and what about mining on the boundary waters or whatever it do you see any bigger like mega trends um i mentioned the star tribune outdoors section to somebody last week and they said I think the Star Tribune has the last outdoor section in the country. <laughs> Did Very you think well that might be. be true? Given given what's happening to newspapering. I mean So strip out what's happening to newspapering. And just attention to all... the out yeah, think of think of the stories we read again and again about hunters hunt hunters and anglers. Um, you know, these big broad pieces like the New York Times just wrote about uh Yeah. Young you know, hunters caring where yeah. their food comes from. Yeah, or, and it's a licensing. You know, if they're not if they're not doing this, yeah, you know, where's the money to find support wild, the wildlife? Yeah, exactly. Um, no, that you know what? That's a. I well, I don't take it for granted. Um, you know, we've gone through some. We're probably going to continue to go through print cuts, but the readership is very much shifting to the digital at the strip. Yeah. Um, but we're. I think we're always going to protect the print too because we have that you know we have a core uh print readership and we like to tell stories in print yeah. as well um and, and sort of the power of print and then hope it transfers well to digital and things like that um okay so back to your question though what's hap- what, yeah you know, do you do you see anything from your vantage point that the rest of us well this this story miss, maybe well this has come up come up in minnesota for sure and you know, I've seen the same context and stories from other states. I think New York just had a story about women being the drivers. Um, you know, if you're going to say talk about the decline in hunting, hunting and fishing numbers, mm-hmm. when you bring up the number of women, and we could, yeah, you know, we can pull that data from the DNR. But women, and we did this actually in advance of the fishing opener last year. Women, the numbers point to women. Uh, helping sustain hunting and fishing, and I, I do notice we've we've done more even like one-off stories about um, women and um, whether it's like outreach programs like uh, becoming an outdoors woman through the DNR, yeah. which is wildly popular. Yeah, all sorts of uh, workshops and trip, you know, environmental center trips and fishing trips and so forth, down to um, just sort of one-off days fishing together on the lake. You know, some some uh, group that's doing a uh, a fishing day for women, ice fishing or otherwise. Uh, these things are, and that then gets into more to women enjoying the experience around other women. They don't want to go out with their, necessarily uh, with their husbands yeah. or their, uh, that's an interesting trend, you know, the men in their lives. Yeah. Um, and what's going on there, that whole psychology of, um, what sort of barriers are there, stereotypes, um, of why they're not doing it and why they why they're embracing sort of being out with other women, no yeah. judging, right? Yeah. We're not going to talk about, uh, uh, you know, not going to get into the gear, you know, sort of gear heady stuff. Yeah, We're going right. to just let be. And if you don't know how to tie this or uh, use that, we'll teach you. And so, 
But I think I think women in the outdoors is, and I'm sure maybe, um, you know, I don't know enough about Shara Productions, but um, is there a show geared around a a woman in the outdoors? You know, no, I right? mean other than Laura Shara being the co-host right, of Minnesota right. Bound, so I think that's been yeah. they've highlighted women. I think for yeah. a long time. But um, and you kind of hit on it too with the local food. There's yeah. there's some synergy there too. Yeah. With um, you know whether they call them like adult onset hunters or something, right. which is yeah. so such a weird label. But um, people who are coming to hunting because they do care about their food sources. I'm telling you, you're telling you something you already know. But um, yeah, that could that... be a thing that. Now again, how do you um. You know how do you strategically pour money into that? Yeah. And do that well to really um, help people see yeah. themselves doing that. You know, one yeah. of the things I think too about the future of the uh, of the outdoors and conservation that, and I think in some ways your weekly section is a microcosm of a bigger structural challenge. And that is, like I said, you have such a big umbrella for outdoors. Like you cover everything that has to do with the outdoors, and most. Right periodicals or even websites they're going to cover just mountain biking or just duck hunting or that they specialize right yeah and you're trying to be um much more of a generalist yes in putting this section together and i personally think the only like the i think the future of conservation has got to be everybody in it together i think that People right. who are bird watchers, consumptive recreation versus that yeah, whole debate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. People who people who are bird watchers need to partner you're, up with people who you're shoot not paying birds. for a license. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, and say like we because there are, it's a shrinking number of people, yeah. so we have to pool our resources and we have to work together to lobby politicians yeah. and things like that. But my question is this: Well, and can it's I about, jump in yeah, though first? Yeah, yeah. That's that's the whole thing with we're so attached to labels, right? Think of uh-huh. think of. We're not even going to go politically. Everybody, we're so attached to labels, and that is to our detriment. I've talked to people who are knee-deep in bird watching, and I'll drive three hours to go look at a boreal owl, and they also hunt. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? It's like, and, and you don't hunt. Right. But you appreciate hunting. Yeah, I grew up hunting when I was little. I went grouse hunting a few times. It's just not something you do. Right. But you don't despise it no. or think it's bad no. for the world or anything no but my worry is this that like with your uh with the outdoors weekend section that it then becomes almost it, it's um it tries to be all things to all people yeah. and by doing so it lose nobody is passionate about it you know what i'm saying yeah because could- the mountain bikers like it's been three weeks and they haven't done a they uh, haven't done a single story on mountain biking. Yeah. So they give or like boy they seem to be cutting back on the fishing coverage or yeah. whatever. And I, so I in some ways I see your sec, your weekly section of newspaper as a beacon of hope that it can be done that yeah. all the people who care about the outdoors can yeah. actually fit in the same tent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wonder if that's possible because people are so specialized. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Oh, I absolutely know what you're saying. Like, oh, I haven't read a story about duck hunting for months, so yeah. why would I keep opening that section? I do think, given the divide between print readers, you know, I've run into so yeah. many. Like, if we went and went to Midwest Mountaineering Expo in the spring, and we actually, you and I have talked about this, doing a presentation, I've presented there on series we've done and yeah i'll ask the room will be 60 people will be in there mainly middle-aged uh, but the people who go to the midwest mountaineering expo are outdoors people yes. right they right. they yeah. have all kinds of experiences there were certainly a handful of young people this is when we were talking about the superior hiking trail through hike series i asked how many people how many people read uh the feeling superior through hike series every hand went up uh in print Every hand went up, and it was six parts. How many of you read it online? Three hands. Maybe three hands read it online. And so now when we're in the context of us talking about the section and readership and so forth, I think if you, like you said, the whole feeling of general, um, if you came to the print section, I, do, I like the idea 
that you would feel like you can find something in here that interests me, whether it's a cabin tail yeah. or some, or some uh, you know, we do that little currents feature where it's what, what a person in the outdoors realm, regardless, they could be a concert wildlife manager, they could be a work for bike man as a information officer, whatever. Right. What are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you, because just curating that, their ideas is interesting to me. And I think people, yeah, have, if you have a curious mind, but, but yeah, here's your yeah, point. Yeah, if, yeah. You, if you go, I was going to ask you though, we maybe need to ask somebody impartial, but if if you went to startribune.com slash outdoors, if you fought your way to find that content. Yeah, three, a, three or four menus deep. If you, no one's doing that. No. Right? You're Googling Star Tribune, yeah, whatever the topic is. But if you whatever. went to it, I think you'd say it's predominantly hunting, fishing, converse, conservation. And then, oh my gosh, here's a story about um, Fat tire biking gravel riding or, yeah. on the North Shore or yeah, something like right, that. Right, so, right. but see, in print, I feel I feel like it's a very and I run into more people like I wait a minute, I've, but, I've never but, even read it. You know what? Online or, that is, you, you make a really good point, and it's a good point to close on. And we can make a pitch to people to subscribe to their local newspaper because you're right. Seeing the outdoors weekend section of the Star Tribune in print, yeah, you really do see the the width of people the broad width of people who care about the outdoors yeah you know what i'm saying yeah because you'll see a little thing from a, some dnr conservation officer and you'll see somebody who's a cross-country skier and you'll see a story about rvs and you'll <laughs> right you know, right 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 um well you know what yeah too, i don't know how, that's good yeah people, i don't but, know i don't know how this feeds into this but if we i do hear from people that we've got a really good ipad app and that they do, then do, they yeah. do see the printed paper on their iPad. Oh yeah, you know, they're digital readers who are seeing it. So yeah, in that regard, true. you might be winning some people over. Like yeah. oh my, you know, oh my gosh, it's. But I, I I think anything on our desktop and even our mobile, you know, I hope I have a job after any if anyone hears this from her. <laughs> but that's good. Um, that's good. No, it's just yeah. We make it. We make them work too hard, and I don't. And then, then I'm not young too. I I know my my kids don't. They're not going to go to StarTribune.com necessarily. They're going to Google whatever the local story. Whatever. Yeah, D'Angelo. You know, body, body, body. You know, they're not going to the Star Tribune to see. Yeah. Now, hopefully, we come up in that first take. Yeah. Right. Or yeah. we have one of those first page headlines. We have headlines on that first page. You see. Yeah. So I don't know. Well. Yeah. It's you know just keep. Just keep working hard and okay, looking, so you're, trying to surprise people. You're my editor. So here's the last thing. Yeah. I feel like I need a sign off on this podcast. Like, we'll see you in the great outdoors. Or, you know, like uh, Ron Cheros was always, make sure you introduce a kid to the great outdoors. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I feel like I need a sign off. Does it have to have a, uh, like a spiritual component? <laughs> Probably should, being Let's that I'm see. the Reverend Let's Hunter. See if Mary Baker Eddy said anything. Uh, <laughs> Is there any like, uh, I should probably have a benediction. I should have like a- out See you in the great lab of nature, laboratory <laughs> of nature. That, no, Charles Eastman. This is, this we never- Okay, you know, let's when close we talked, with this. Let's yeah. close with this. No, but Charles Eastman wrote, and again, um, this speaks to modern culture, the way okay. we're just bombarded with- yeah with uh, rhetoric now and yeah. um, and um, fear and, you know, visually just everything coming, coming, coming at once, yeah. the exhausting nature of that. And, and he, you know, Charles Eastman is writing all this back in the uh, late 19th century, but he said, in civilization, there are many deaf ears and blind eyes. In the great laboratory of nature, there are endless secrets to be discovered. Amen. 